Well, thank you, Tom. Uh, yeah, uh, I bought, when people ask me what I do, the first thing that comes to my mind is I'm a dad. Uh, I can't think of anything other than serving the Lord that's more precious to me than that. So happy Father's Day to all of you dads out here. And after many years of waiting, I'm also a granddad, and I doubled the number of my grandchildren just in the last few months. We now have four, and uh, I have pictures on my cell phone, which I left in the pew, so if you want to see pictures, ask me afterwards. And uh, Bailey's doing great. Uh, had uh, my two oldest granddaughters over this week, uh, three-year-old and a two-year-old, and uh, they were just loving on her, and they said, thank you for getting a puppy. I'm glad you have a puppy, so yeah. Um, it's good to be here again. I'm actually coming back again next Sunday, so I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, today is finally a Sunday with no rain, so if you're planning a picnic for today, I think we're going to be in, in good shape. There are some things in life that we are never exempt from. Uh, unless Jesus comes back first, we're all going to die, we're all going to pay taxes, and we're all going to experience pain. And we don't like it, and we certainly do everything we can to try to avoid it, but the simple reality is that sometimes, really all too often for us, life hurts. And if you're not already familiar with them, I want to introduce you to uh, this morning to Martin and Gracia Burnham. Uh, the Burnhams uh, served with uh, New Tribes Missions, on the island of Mindanao in the Philippines for a number of years. Martin was an airplane uh, pilot, so he would fly around the, the region. He'd deliver mail and supplies and, of course, encouragement to the uh, missionaries uh, serving there, transporting the sick back and forth, injured people. Uh, and he did that for, for quite a few years. Uh, Gracious served in uh, various roles, uh, supporting the aviation program and also in homeschooling their three children. And on May 27th, 2001, they were actually enjoying an anniversary getaway at an island retreat when suddenly their lives were changed forever. Uh, a terrorist group that had ties with Osama bin Laden burst into the room and snatched them away from their family and friends and thrust them into a life on the run in the Philippine jungle. And during a perilous year in captivity, at times they faced almost near starvation, constant exhaustion, frequent gun battles that the terrorists uh, engaged in. They saw cold-hearted murder right in front of their eyes. And there was also intense soul-searching about a God who sometimes seems to have forgotten them. And uh, if you want to learn more about their story, you can read about it in, in their book called In the Presence of My Enemies. But I want you to hear this morning uh, from Gracia uh, telling her story in her own words. So would you just uh, sit back and, and listen to this for a minute? We had never done anything touristy before on Palawan. We always ran down there, did whatever flying we need to do, and run home. So we flew down there and went out to Dos Palmas. It's an island resort. And... Uh, that night we had a nice meal and, and we went to bed. And early the next morning before the sun was even up, there was a banging on the door. So Martin pulled some clothes on and just as he got to the door, the door burst open and in came three guys with M16s. And they took us to a speedboat. As we pulled away from the dock, 
They all lifted their M16s and yelled, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. And then we knew it was the Abu Sayyaf. And I said to Martin, as the boat went out into the ocean, I said, we are in big trouble. And he said, yeah, you're right. At the beginning, you never knew when the next gun battle was going to be, and you'd be running and hiking through the mountains. And um, I'd say time kind of flew. There were times, though, when we thought we were kind of safe from the military, and we'd spend a few weeks in one place. And that's when the time just drove by. You just waited for the next hour to be up. Sometimes I would count from 500 to 1 backwards. Martin is the eternal optimist and um, always laughing and always smiling and he always had a, a joke and we encouraged each other in the Lord we went over and over what we believe what do we believe what is true and we would remind ourselves of the promises of God and the scripture that we knew I told him I just don't know how much longer I can do this I, I said that every day you know I'm sure he got sick of it he said, today I've, I've just had Psalm 100 in my head and scripture says to serve the Lord with gladness. And he said, I know that this doesn't seem like serving the Lord, but that's what we're doing. And I think we can serve the Lord with gladness. And we prayed together. Then we laid down for our nap. The soldiers came over the hill and they just opened fire on us. And I was immediately shot in the leg and I dropped, I just kind of slid down the hill and came to rest beside Martin. And I looked at him and he had, um, he was bleeding from his chest. I don't know how long that gun battle lasted, maybe 20 minutes, but by the end of the battle, he was dead. And they drug me up the hill and as the weather cleared, uh, a helicopter a Black Hawk helicopter came and picked me up and took me off to the hospital. The Lord just gave me a piece to just put that behind me and go on with life. And um, you know what? All I remember about the embassy I don't remember being sad. I remember being really happy. And uh, they used to chain Martin at night. And that night when I got in bed, I laid down and I thought, you know what? Martin's not chained. And I was really happy for him. I was happy for him because he was out of there. And um, we'd gotten to the point where uh, we were just asking God to get out, get us out of there, and we didn't really care how. And uh, so God got us out of there. Now I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but every day I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to take care of my kids. I'm going to stay close to Him and he's gonna lead me. I know he'll lead me, just like he led me in the jungle. He is gonna lead us. 
no matter what comes our way, no matter what comes our way, he has promised never to leave us and never to forsake us, and he's going to be with us always. Now this morning, we're going to look at a passage of scripture that tells us what we're supposed to do when life hurts. So I'd like you to open your Bibles, if you would. We're in 1 Peter, again, our third Sunday in a row in 1 Peter, and in uh, chapter 4 today, uh, verses 12 through 19. So I'm using the ESV this morning, but whatever you have, I just encourage you to to follow along, and uh, let me read this, and you just follow along in your Bible as you have it there in your lap. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised as the, at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So what does uh, Peter tell us uh, we should do when life hurts? Well, first of all, he says we should expect it. And that's verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So guess what, friends? Uh, Suffering is guaranteed to us uh, by God. If anyone has ever told you that you can live a pain-free life, if only you have enough faith, okay, they are wrong, okay? God never promised any such thing. And having a a pain-free life is not only impossible, it's actually undesirable. And I'll show you why that's true as we go through this passage this morning. Now, you need to understand the context in which Peter is is writing here. Uh, This book was written during a time when the church of Jesus Christ was undergoing intense persecution and trial. And actually, in the original language, in verse 12, it refers to a fiery or a burning trial okay and that word i don't think is is accidental because you see only a a few uh uh short time maybe a few years before this was written uh the city of rome had uh burned and nero who was the emperor at the time he placed the blame upon the christians kind of as a scapegoat and that began a period of intense persecution and Nero himself had persecuted uh, and arrested Christians. He had covered them over with pitch. He had tied them to posts in his gardens and lit them on fire as living torches to light his imperial gardens at night. And thousands of Christians were brutally tortured and murdered and burned at the stake in that way. So if you think maybe you've experienced some persecution in your life, you probably have maybe in some ways, but not like that. 
<clears throat> we haven't faced that. And actually, the freedoms that we still, for the most part, enjoy here in America right now really are not normal. Now, I know, and you probably know as well, our freedoms are under fire in this land, but we have enjoyed a period of, of freedom in this nation for a pretty long time that is not normal for Christians on this planet. Uh, 43 million Christians at least have been killed for their faith since the time of Christ's crucifixion. 26 million of those were martyred in the 20th century alone, <clears throat> more than the whole 1900 years put together before that. And right now, today, <clears throat> there are more than 200 million Christians and over 60 nations that are facing persecution daily, of which 60% of those are, are children, children uh, hiding uh, for their faith. And it's estimated that over 160,000 Christians are martyred in the world every year. Christians are by far the most persecuted group uh, in the world today. But here's, here's the point. <clears throat> Although we may not be experiencing that degree of suffering for our faith, the trials and the bumps and the knocks uh, of life that we get are something that we should always expect. Okay, We should always expect that. Clear sailing is not the norm for us. And uh, you put them in perspective, and sometimes our trials don't seem very big, you know, and you can get stuck in traffic when you're trying to get someplace in a hurry, or maybe you had an argument with your spouse, or, or, or maybe you can't find the remote for the television, okay? okay but sometimes our trials, you know, you, you compare, and you know, they're just really not all that big a deal. But sometimes they are. And in reality, sometimes very big trials uh, hit us. I mean, you can, you can lose a loved one, you can lose your possessions to a, a fire. Uh, you can lose your possessions to a, a flood. You can be betrayed by someone that you love. Some of you, I'm sure, have experienced that, and you know a level of hurt that some of the rest of us have no idea. Uh, you can be faced with a life-threatening illness. Those things happen. They come. You can be overwhelmed by a heartache that might seem to overwhelm you. Uh, just may seem like it's more than you can handle. Your heart just wants to break. You just would desperately love to change the situation, but you, but you can't do that. Maybe it's a phone call that you get that will just turn your life upside down just like that, and you don't know if things will ever be the same again. And the disasters that strike us are, are real, and they're scary, and yes, they, they hurt. Okay? They hurt really bad. So God tells us, or we, we might ask him, okay, God, what should we do when these terrible disasters and trials overtake us and threaten to overwhelm us? And you know what God's answer is? Rejoice. Really? <laughs> trials? Rejoice? Yep, that's exactly what he says. Okay, look at verse 13. He says, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Now, I guarantee you when we're in the middle of these trials, and you've got your own set of trials right now, I, I doubt there's a person in the room who doesn't have something going on that's, that's a trial, okay? And the natural reaction to a trial is not to rejoice, okay? That is not what we feel like doing, okay? So it's got to be a choice if we're going to do that. Now, someone once observed, and I think this is a lot of wisdom in this, that life is 10% of what happens to you and 
90% of how you respond to it. And I believe that that is, is true. And if you want to know how to really make or break a, a Christian, uh, you need to let them go through a process of intense suffering. And that is what is really going to make the difference. Okay, so you're telling me to rejoice, God. I think that's just a little bit crazy, but that's what he tells us to do. Why on earth should we do that? Well, the passage gives us two reasons. And here's the first one. Because it helps my heart connect with Christ. Verse 13 tells us, rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. You see, our trials will help us to do that. We connect better with him precisely when we are going through a trial. That is when we will have a close, and we'll feel it too, a closer fellowship with God. I want to show you a verse here. It's in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And we would just kind of like the verse to stop right there, wouldn't we? Okay, but it, but it doesn't stop there. It goes on. It says, and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. So experiencing some of what Christ suffered helps us to better connect with him. It helps us to identify even more with what Christ went through. If you've been betrayed, well, Christ was betrayed. If you've had friends fail you, well, Christ had friends fail you. If you had people say things about you that are not true, you can rejoice because you know that you're sharing in the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. And anything that we suffer for the sake of Christ is not a penalty, it's, it's a privilege. And it's amazing how God can use those things to draw us closer to him. And I want you just to try to think back with me for a moment to some really big trial in your life. And I don't think this is going to be hard because it's, it's there, it's part of your history, it's part of your story. But you remember going through that really big trial. And let me ask you, how close did God feel to you during that time? If you knew him as Savior, I'm guessing, even though you were hurting, maybe you were questioning God, you sensed his presence in a way that maybe you don't when things are just going so smoothly. And my guess is that those difficult times uh, that stick out are oftentimes when we sense God was really with us. And things were tough, and our heart was hurting, and, but we, we had a fellowship with God that was as sweet as it had ever been. And that's, I think, partly because when we're hurting, we, we know we, we need God. We need him desperately. Okay, and when things are going great and everything is just happening the way we want it to, and we, it's just easy to just kind of coast along and, oh, yeah, good morning, God. You know, we don't give him a whole lot of a thought. Okay, but when we're in pain, when, when life is really dealing us raw, okay, that is when we connect with him so much more. And I'm sure you've all heard that poem, The Footprints in the Sand. You see in the pictures of the, the footprints walking through the beach, okay? Okay, he goes with us through our pain. He carries us through those hard times. And we can't imagine what it would be like to go through life facing those trials if we didn't know Jesus as our Savior. But knowing that God is there with us, it gives us peace and joy and strength, like Gracia Burnham shared there in the video, that we will need to endure uh, whatever it is that he sends our way. Now let me give you another reason why we should rejoice when life hurts and it's because it makes the finale, okay, so much better. 
Now, what am I referring to when I talk about the finale, okay? Well, that's the end of the story, and we already know the end of the story. If you've read this book that he's given to us, you know the end of the story. And, and, it's, and God wins in, in the end. Look at verse 13. He says, Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, and here's the finality, that you may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And the grand finale for this age in which we live is when Christ comes back in all his glory. Now, I love grand finales, okay? Uh, Independence Day is coming soon. Oftentimes, my family will go to Longs Park and Lancaster City. Maybe you've been to fireworks uh, someplace else. And isn't it great when you get to the end of the show, you're just, you know it's coming, Okay, you know it's coming, and all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. These rockets are going off faster than you can think even. And it just looks like that in the sky, and, it, and it's glorious, and, and it's exciting. But you know what? That doesn't even hold a candle to what it's going to be like when Christ comes back. I mean, I can try to imagine that. I do try to imagine that. But my mind falls short, and I think, man, alive, I can't wait. I can't wait for Jesus to come back. But, so here's the question, how will our suffering right now make that even better? And why should my suffering, in light of Christ's return, cause me to rejoice? Well, let me give you an example. Uh, I love hiking, okay? I've always enjoyed hiking. I, I, I still do. I used to do a lot of, of backpacking. I climbed all the high peaks up in the Adirondacks. I've hiked every place I can. I, I love climbing mountains, Okay? But the mountaintops wouldn't be nearly as exhilarating if I could ride an escalator to the top, okay? And I thought about that. I said, oh, man, they need an elevator right here. But you know what? It would ruin it. It, it, it would really ruin it because the sweat and, and the struggle of the climb is part of what makes reaching this summit all that much more of a thrill. Now, think about it, okay? If life came up roses for you all the time and everything always went perfectly and you never had a problem and you never had a trial and you were always healthy and everybody you knew was walking with Jesus. I mean, how excited do you think you'd be for Jesus to come back? I mean, that would kind of ruin the party, wouldn't it? Hey, call. Come on, Jesus, we were having such a good time down here. What do you need to come back and ruin it all for, you know? <clears throat> the struggles and the trials of life help us to turn our focus from this life to the joys and the glories that are yet to be revealed. Now remember, when Christ comes back, he comes back as a victor. And that victory will be all the more sweet for those who have struggled and been bloodied in the battle. Okay, think about a game, an athletic competition of, of some kind, whether you're playing in it or whether you're watching it. What's more fun, okay? Winning a game because the other team doesn't show up, or maybe they're just so terribly awful that you, I mean, it's hard not to beat them? Or is it more fun if, you, if you're fighting hard and you're well-matched and you've you got this competition and you're giving it all and, man, it's close and you don't know who, but you win at the end? Which is more fun? Well, you know the answer to that, okay? The conclusion is far more sweet if there's been a struggle along the way. And it makes the finale all that much better. And so when we go through the struggles of life, it's part of God's design to make us look forward to his return. And it shapes us and it does so many good things for us. So suffering, now this sounds crazy, but suffering, even though none of us would choose it, is actually a good thing. 
It's actually a good thing. But it's important that we suffer for the right reasons. And we have this in verses 14 through 16. He says, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed and let him glorify God in that name. And that echoes, I think, the the words of Jesus in the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount when he said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you so if the world gives you a black eye because of your connection with christ he will return that to you with a blessing many many fold in the end now there's all kinds of suffering in this world And unfortunately, a lot of it is of our own making. And if we're suffering because of bad choices we've made, if we're suffering because of sinful choices we've made, well, there's no glory in that. That's self-inflicted suffering, and we deserve it. But if we're walking with the Lord and we find one day that we're going through the fire, there is reward in that that is laid up for us in heaven. In fact, the trials we go through are golden opportunities for us to let our faith shine so that others can see our godly response and and glorify our Father who is in heaven. And I've often thought, you know, I I would never choose a trial. I was actually driving to church this morning, and I was thinking about how trials cause us to grow, and I I started to pray, say, Lord, help me to grow. And immediately I thought, oh, man, I don't want to ask him for a trial. You know, I almost, then I thought, but you know what? He is a, the song we had earlier, he's a good, good father, and he's trustworthy, and I can trust him with everything, and if he chooses to bring a trial my way, it's not because he's trying to slam me, it's not because he's trying to hurt me, it's because he says, okay, Stan, I want to help you grow, and this is going to help accomplish that in your life. And you know, it, it doesn't really take all that much faith uh, to just kind of coast on through when we're not having problems. I mean, that's easy. No faith gained really there, at least not very much. But the opportunity to really exercise our faith comes precisely when we're beaten down and we're battered and we're bloodied and we're bruised. That's when our faith can grow. Now let me give you another reason uh, for suffering. Uh, It purifies us. It purifies us. Verse 17 tells us it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And this is talking about God's discipline, which refines us, which purifies us. It helps make us more like Christ. It's not punishment, okay? Discipline and punishment are very, very different things in in God's uh, economy. But as with all discipline from the Lord, we can either accept it and say, okay, God, I'll change, I'll be what you want me to be, or I can reject it. So there is a choice before us. We can choose to be refined by the fire. Now, these things that we go through uh, really hurt. And I would say to you, don't waste that pain. 
Okay, don't waste it. You can waste it. You can, but, but don't do that. And through that pain, allow God to mold you and to shape you to be even more like Christ, even more useful to him in the days to come. And you know, you don't grow nearly as, as much uh, when things are going well as you do when you're really being stretched. And it is a fact that pain prepares us for greater service to God. And it, and it causes us to trust him uh, even more. We never really know just how strong our, our faith is until we're really tested. C.S. Lewis, you've all heard of him. He once remarked, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So will such events uh, in our lives break us or will they make us? We need to choose to be refined by the fire. Now, I want you to think for a moment, uh, what is the primary symbol of our Christian faith? Somebody tell me, what is it? The cross, okay, the cross, okay? What is the cross a symbol of? Well, suffering and and pain and agony and self-sacrifice and loss and, and death all of which Christ experienced when he hung on that cross and gave up his life for us. And we're told that we're supposed to embrace that, to embrace the cross and pick up the cross daily, okay, and, and follow him. And that is not, not exactly a call to a carefree and a pain-free life. So if you don't like that, I've got a solution for you. I think maybe it's time we could change symbols, okay? Let's get rid of the cross because it's just too painful, I'm not sure if the way of the cross is really the kind of life we really think we're looking for. So I was thinking, what would really be a symbol that we could really embrace? Uh, what, are we, what kind of life are we really looking for as believers? What do we long for? What are we hoping to achieve? And what would symbolize that? Well, I thought of something, and I'm just going to lay it out here for you today. The new symbol of our Christian faith. Are you ready? Here it is. The next slide, the lazy boy. Ah, now there's something I can really embrace, okay? This is a symbol of the kind of life that if we're honest with ourselves, we really are looking for most of the time. We don't want a life of pain. We don't want a life of suffering. That's not fun at all. Sacrifice, death, okay, I'm not interested, really. That doesn't appeal to me. Okay, but what I want is a lazy boy and some lemonade maybe and a cozy little fire in the fireplace where I can kind of put my feet up and relax beside it. So the choice is either being refined by the fire, the fire of God's purification through testing and trial, or being reclined by the fire, okay, that cozy little fire in our fireplace. So what do you think? Ready to switch? Yeah, I, is there a cross up here someplace? Probably, is. I can't even see one. I'm sure there's one around here someplace. But whatever it is, we can, we can find the cross and just put a lazy boy up there. Don't you think that would work for us? Well, obviously this is all tongue-in-cheek because Jesus did not say, have a seat in your lazy boy and settle back and get nice and comfortable and come follow me. 
No, he said, pick up your cross, a, a symbol of sacrifice and suffering and even death. He says, pick it up every day and follow me. So that's the choice before us, really either to be reclined or to be refined. What will it be? Well, the bottom line is given for us in verse 19. He says, Therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So first we need to keep trusting God. Okay? He is a trustworthy God after all. He is a faithful creator. He loves us. He's not out there to get us. He's not out there to make our life miserable. He's not out there to slam us. First opportunity to be given. No, what kind of, what kind of a God is that? Yeah, that's not the kind of God I serve. He is a good, good Father. That's who He is. That's who He is. And we can commit ourselves to Him even when we don't know all the answers. And we don't know all the answers. We will never know all the answers. You know, sometimes we go through these trials and we look for answers. And why is God allowing this to happen? Don't know. Maybe someone can give you an answer for something and maybe it's a good answer, maybe it's not. Sometimes we're just never going to know. Marsha Burnham watched her husband bleed to death right in front of her eyes. How could that be a good thing? But it was part of God's plan. And she had to trust him. She didn't know what she was going to do. She said that in the video. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Remember her saying that? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. But she knew that God was trustworthy. And so she made a decision that she was going to continue to follow and trust God no matter what. And we can commit ourselves to God because he is faithful. It has been said, sometimes the Lord calms the storms. Sometimes he lets the storm rage and he calms his child. Think back to some of the Bible stories, you know. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? And a king who was pretty mad at them. Did God calm their storm? No. They were thrown into that fiery furnace, Okay, but God calmed their hearts as they were prepared to go in there. They were just probably teenage boys, okay, and they were trusting God. What about Stephen, first martyr, stoned for his faith in Christ? How would that feel? Have you ever thought about what it would be like to have people throwing stones at you so much and so hard that it would end up killing you? How did that feel? Did God calm that storm? Well, no, but he did calm Stephen. He didn't calm the storm for the Apostle Paul when he was whipped and imprisoned, but he did calm Paul. And when we are going through trials and storms, we need to look to him and say, God, just give me your peace. And the bottom line is to keep trusting God, and second, to keep doing good. And that's the last few words in the chapter, isn't it? Okay, to entrust our souls, I love this phrase, to entrust our souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Are we going to struggle? Well, you can count on it. Are we going to go through times of trial? Yeah. And the trial that you're in right now, when it ends, good chance there's going to be another one someday that will follow after that one. Life sometimes is going to hurt, sometimes it's going to hurt really bad, and it always has. And in this life, at least, it always will. But you need to remember, we all need to remember that this life is not all there is. 
So what do we do in the midst of all our pain and trials and suffering? Well, Peter tells us, keep on doing good. Make the most of every opportunity. Uh, seize the moment. Do good to all men and serve the Lord today and make your life count. I want you to listen as uh, Gracia Burnham has just a few more words to share with us. Martin and I, were not heroes. We're not heroic types. We're very normal, very, very normal people. And we were just doing what God wanted us to do. But I feel like we made a difference with our lives. Find out what you're good at and do it to further God's kingdom. Martin was an excellent pilot. He wasn't just an ordinary pilot. He was excellent. So just do what the Lord's given you to do and do it with the best of your ability. And the Lord's going to take care of making your life count. say it any better than that okay make your life count let's pray well father in heaven i am so glad that you are a good good father and that's who you are that's who you are you're a good father and you love us and you care for us like any father cares for his children actually way better than any human father we know. Lord, thank you for the human fathers you've given us in this life. We love them. We thank you for how they've poured into our lives. But we know they, as much as they wanted to be, were not perfect. And they won't be in this life. But you are. And I thank you that you're trustworthy and that you not only created this world uh, and sustain it, but Lord, you care about every detail of our lives. Lord, we are going through trials. I am sure there's not one person here today who's not in some way struggling. And we would never choose those trials. We would never choose them. So, Lord, I'm thankful that you and your wisdom have chosen them for us. You know what we can handle. We know what we, you, we can't handle. And, Lord, you have promised never to leave us as we go through every trial. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to suffer graciously and that you would allow us to grow in our faith as we trust you through those times of trial. And Lord, we thank you that the day is coming uh, when our Savior is coming back in all his glory, and every wrong will be set right. And we will have the privilege and honor to be rewarded for whatever we've done for you that's, that's worthy, so we can take those crowns and just cast them at your feet. Thank you, Lord, that the day is coming, uh, that we know how it's all going to end. We know who wins in the end. And we thank you, Lord. We don't have to even question that for a moment. The struggle is real in the meantime, though, Lord, but thank you for the sweetness that it will provide at your return. We pray in Jesus' name.